Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Today I'm taking advantage of an opportunity. I'm on a work and play vacation here in Florida, and I decided why not stop in and visit a company that was, I think, at the forefront of a lot of the ultralight equipment for backpackers. I'd like to welcome Matt from ZPAX here in West Melbourne, Florida, to Papa Bear Hikes. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, good to be here. So Matt, why don't you start off by giving us a little bit of background on ZPAX as a company. Um, so ZPAX is really kind of like that like American dream, entrepreneurial spirit story. It's very, um, very typical kind of story. So our owner, Joe Valesco, uh, he was going to through like the Appalachian Trail when he finished college. And he started preparing. He started looking for gear. And he went to all these outfitters, and everything he found was like really heavy. He had all these extra buckles and you know webbing and pockets and zippers, tons of stuff that could potentially fail, get in the way, and it was really heavy. And he was like, you know, I think I can do better, right? Which you know we all kind of think that sometimes, but he decided to really do it. And so he sat sat down, and over the course of a couple months, he made a few iterations of some gear, and then he made his own kit, really. So he got on a, a bus after college, and he went down to um, uh, to start the AT, you know, and he came home a couple times because he had to redo his gear. But by the end of the trail, he had it pretty dialed in, and a lot of people um, were like, hey, this is really cool stuff. I want you to make this for me. I want you to make, can you make me that? Can you make me this? And he was like, it wasn't really on his radar. Like he was, he he didn't start uh, Z packs. Like really, he, like when he made his own gear, that's not what he was doing. He was just scratching his own itch. Um, so when he did go back, he did all right. I'll make some people some gear. And like after work in his apartment in New York, he was making up some gear and he's sending it out. And then friends told friends, and then he you know put it up on a website. And then you know still after work having a normal job. And so that was uh, 2005 we started making gear. Uh, and by the time 2010 came around, he, him and his wife had just completed the, they were engaged at the time, um, just completed the CDT, and he had completed the, the Triple Crown, and he had enough interest in the products that he could quit his normal job and just do Z-Packs full-time. And uh, so that was 2010, uh, in February 2010 is when they really took it full time. Uh, I randomly stumbled across the website uh, when I was looking for some uh, ultralight gear myself, and I saw that he had moved to the town just south of me. So I sent him an email. And I was like, "Hey, you know, can I come uh, just ask you some questions?" I wasn't. I wanted to talk about hiking, not even gear uh, per se. So we went out to lunch, uh, and then we came back to his house. He's like, "Hey, do you want a job?" And I was like, "Doing what?" He was like sewing. I was like, I don't know how to sew, and uh, he was like, I'll teach you how to sew. And I was like, I was like, okay. And so uh, he was getting ready to get married, and so it was like two months later, like when everything sorted itself out. And then in August of 2010, I showed up in his garage, and it was just his his wife, uh, Joe, and myself uh, sewing sewing packs and tents and all kinds of stuff. And uh, at that time, it was. It was kind of funny. It was I'd never seen a business model this way. He could basically open up his website for two weeks and get enough orders to keep him busy for two months, and then he would turn off the site. And then he would make all the orders, turn on the site again for two weeks, and then turn it off. I was like, I was like, why are we doing this? I was like, I was like, 
just keep it on and let's hire some more people. I mean, you know, it wasn't really, like I said, this wasn't like his plan. He didn't have this grand a- ambition. It was kind of just a thing that was happening and evolving really organically. And uh, so that <laughs> that happened, and we hired a friend and another friend and another friend, and before you knew it, the house was full. The garage was full. Another room in this house was full. We ran out of space. Well, I guess we gotta get a shop now. And they like, we filled up that shop, and then we expanded to the next unit over, and then the next unit over, and we filled that up. Guess we need a bigger shop. And that, that was what four shops ago, or three shops ago. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of joke and say that I got to watch Joe live the American dream, like you know, like just be a part of from a garage to where we're at now. Um, it's been a heck of a ride so far. Yeah, Matt, it sounds like that. That here's somebody who he didn't go to business school and come up with a plan and say, okay, I'm gonna make this product and sell it. It was just he was somebody saying, look, I, I don't want to buy the heavier gear, like you say, that has the components on it that could malfunction on a long distance. Like I just want to make something. If people saw the quality of it, they saw what he was doing, and basically, just it, it seems like well, here we are, 2022. And yeah. you've got a, you know, bona fide manufacturing facility. Yeah, yeah. You know, where, yeah, you have not just a couple of friends sewing this stuff together. You've got an entire team of people here. Yeah. How many people, by the way, Matt, do you, you employ here? Um, just over 200 right now. We just, just got over 200. And uh, with that was a lot of growing pains. You don't go from three people to 20 people to 50 to 100 to 150 without that to 200 without some growing pains. Like they're definitely um, just scaling things up and, and learning to be a little bit more proactive than reactive. It, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, especially like you said, like that wasn't ever the plan from the beginning. It wasn't a lot of us weren't experts in, in our fields at that time. So what we've learned, we've brought in people with experience as well, and we've really been able to kind of level that out and get where we need to be. Right, this wasn't a team of MBAs that said, okay, well, we're going to make backpacks, yeah. and then we're going to go into sleeping bags and then tents. We're going to do it over this period of time and at this point. Yeah, and I just think that's such an incredible story, and why I have such an interest in interviewing the business is like yeah. CPAC. And this just happened so organically with my own story with CPACs is I happen to be watching some YouTubes on Appalachian Trail through hikers yeah. and saw one that was just going on and on about his backpack. And before I know it, within a couple of years, Z-Pack seemed like the path through hikers wanted to be used. Yeah. I hike sections of the Appalachian Trail. I hike a long trail. And it seems like you're, you're not going to go to a, a campsite or a lean-to where about a third or more of the people don't have a Z-Pack, Z-Pack product that they're using, whether it's a tent sleeping bag or a backpack. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because I mean we're like we're I still say we're a small business base out of Melbourne, Florida, like an unlikely spot uh, for a gear a company, right? But we've gone all over the world, like on our own little trips, and, and like all over the country, and it's like it's insane. Like we were in Patagonia, oh there's a, where's one of our backpacks here in Iceland, oh there's somebody with their tent oh, on the Camino, there's another backpack in the Tour de Mont Blanc, oh there's another. It's just like everywhere you go where there's hikers, like we keep run, we run into our gear, and it, it you know makes us feel good. But it's sometimes I think on a lot of the people who actually are sewing and manufacturing, we do a really good job of trying to keep them connected 
to the adventures and to the customers, but it's like sometimes even for me, it's like hard to like realize, you know, like wow, we really sell our stuff everywhere. Every day we're shipping all over the world and people are using it, right? It's it's crazy from the garage, you know, to to where we're at where we're at now. And that was gonna be my next question, because the last two gear manufacturers I interviewed, I asked them this. Personally, what does it feel like when you see somebody using a product that in your case, you were there on the ground floor. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely pride, right? But I think, like, for me, it's like a, I can't really answer personally. Um, I'm just like, I think it's really cool. Like, you know, it's just like uh, anytime, like, you can see something that you were involved involved in and, like, a stranger is using it. Like, they, you know, most people don't know who, who I am when they pass me on trail. And, like... You know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, nice back, and they're like, oh, thanks. And sometimes people get it, and sometimes they don't. But, uh, you know, it's it's like, man, that's cool. Like, people are using our stuff. I mean, we can look at sales data and all that, but when you put in a face to each sale, like, you know, to each product, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And I would think for your employees, that's got to be very fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you noticed when you went on the tour, um, but we have a lot of pictures up on the floor and in, like, the administrative area that are, like, customer-created pictures of, like, the the gear being used on authentic adventures. Like I said, we really do try to um, keep our employees as connected to the customers and the adventures as we can. Uh, We have a town hall meeting for uh, the entire company every quarter. And a lot of times we have thank you videos where customers like literally are talking directly to the employees. They're not talking about the product. They're talking to the employees and about how the fact that they made this gear allowed them to have um, this adventure or to achieve this. And like a lot of times people are hiking um, for mental health. They're hike. They're hike. They're hiking for physical health. They're they're hiking for a lot of different reasons. And every you know everyone has their own reason. And when the customers share how they were able to get what they needed out of the hike and the gear was a big part of that, it really helps, you know, reinforce, like, what we do here every day. Now, backing up to the beginning here, when Joe started this, is just saying, okay, I want a better backpack. I want to make my own gear. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, myself included, see Z-Packs as sort of the front runner possibly here. Yeah. I don't know if I'm overstating that, but the people who got out in front of the ultralight gear mm-hmm. movement, you're using different fabrics. You're using... When I started looking at the backpacks, I, I looked it up immediately, like a lot of people do. So yeah. I saw the backpack and said, wow, that looks really interesting. Let me go to the website. You're using different fabrics here than I'd say the bigger producers of backpacks. It's not called Cuban fiber. It's Naima fiber now. Did Joe, start composite fabric, yeah. Yeah. did Joe start with the lightweight in mind, or did that kind of evolve as he, did he look into getting new fabrics to lighten up the gear? No, it was always uh, that itch that was being scratched was really a lot of it was being revolved around being weight conscious. Uh, so we're always, from that day to today, uh, we're always looking for the lightest functional fabric, right? It's it, it will never be a process that ends. Um, you know, I doubt there'll ever be something that's like, oh, no one will ever come out with anything better. So we're always looking for that. Uh, in terms of Cuban fiber, which became uh, diamond and composite fabric, 
we were one of the first people to use it, but we, from my, from my knowledge, we were the first company to go all in on it. We didn't offer uh, Cuban fiber tents next to silk nylon tents. It was like, if you wanted a tent from us, the only tent we made was a Cuban fiber tent at the time. And to my knowledge, we were the first company to go all in on it. And I know if you went to a backpacking light, you can still find these, these uh, old threads on their forum. Duh. Cuban fiber will never work. It's not durable enough. It's not a viable tent fabric. Like on years at the beginning, like just ripping it, trying to like say that it won't won't work. And like we've had the uh, the most used shelter on amongst through hikers on the Appalachian Trail for like five years in a row was the most used shelter on the PCT uh, for through hikers this year. Is time time has proven the product is viable. Yeah. I- that's the thing. I'm not exaggerating. Anybody who thinks this is an embellishment, pick a weekend and go out there with the AT bubble and spend two two nights out there, and you'll see. Yeah. It is your the, the Z-Pack shelter is the most popular. Yeah. Now with the durability, yeah, I remember those questions coming up, and they still do, and yeah. usually from or always from people who maybe just don't want to spend the money on it. I guess but the durability side of it. Yeah. Obviously, you're still in business, so why yeah. don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so you got to look at it like realistically. Is what kind of abuse does a tent take? Like when you set it up, like nothing. If you set it up correctly, nothing should be rubbing against the outside of the tent. The fly of your tent should not be getting abrasion. It shouldn't be getting any of that. So really. It, it, it just needs to have a tear strength to hold up to wind, right? And uh, DCF doesn't stretch, so you don't have to worry about that. It's naturally waterproof because it's not woven. It's a laminated fabric with, like, mylar um, laminate on the outside and the inside. So it's a naturally waterproof material. Uh, you know, you tape the seams with human fiber or DCF tape. They're really – we really don't have, like, a ton of failures on it. Like, yeah, like – some every time something weird happens, like oh, I was in the Grayson Highlands and a pony stomped on it, or or whatever. I left my food in my tent and I, why well, I went and climbed a peak and a bear messed it. It's like yeah, any tent, that's right? <laughs> that's any tent, right? So it's like we have very, very, very few failures uh, in terms of durability, um, and definitely, especially with the with the shelters. It just seems to me it, it, it's a lot of common sense. You talked about you yeah. leave food in your tent. Doesn't matter what type of tent it is. Yeah. A mouse can chew its way in there and get to that food. Yeah. Uh, myself, personally, I was a volunteer with the Boy Scouts for over 20 years. I wouldn't want 11- and 12-year-olds setting up that tent because yeah. they're very tough on tents. Yeah. But if you just use common sense out there, take care of it, which I I, I know personally that's what I do with my gear and it lasts a long time. You just take care of it. You're not going to have those issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there is, um, if you're tough on gear, probably not the right material for you, but uh, I always kind of make like a like a race car analogy, right? Or, um, or use a car analogy in general with ultralight gear. And it's like, yeah, you know, you can buy a Toyota Corolla. It's cheap, it, it's affordable, it's dependable, it's going to last you for a long time. You know, or you can get like a, a Corvette or a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. It moves really fast, but like if you barely hit, you know, hit something, it's going to shatter the fiberglass, right? It's like they're Products meant for two different things, right? They both will get you from point A to point B, but one is more about performance. It's about, you know, a lot of through hiking is about speed these days. Why I don't think you necessarily have to 
be fat. Lightweight gear helps people who can, who go slow, who have you know bad knees and bad hips and bad angles and all that stuff. It can it can be open opportunities for health reasons that you normally can't get with heavy gear. But a lot of people are going fast, so you got to keep in mind it's more of a performance gear. It's not going to fall apart if you barely hit a tree. I mean, it's it's a pretty pretty damn durable, but it's not you know like 500 Demir Cordura. You know, it's a, it's a totally different thing. I do a lot of bushwhacking in the Catskills. Yeah. And I have a, a pack from a, a from a big company. I'm not mentioning the company. I've had it for um, 12, 15 years now. And that thing has taken a beating. Yeah. But like you said, would I take the pack I want to through hike on that type hike now? Because, right. right, that durable pack I'm taking through getting caught on branches and yanked at, well, it's made to put up with that. Yeah. I mean, I've, and I have personally hiked with uh you know with our dcf packs through stuff like that you know it'll it'll hang it'll hold on it'll hang uh, hang in there but it's like it's not designed to be beaten to hell it's designed you know you get you take care of it and it's mainly through hikers clear marked paths you know uh things like that you're not really usually running into a lot of crazy bushwhacking or uh scrambling where you're gonna you know wreck your pack yeah, because I've had I've had to repair recently the water bottle pockets on mine yeah. because after years of branches just yanking at them and, yeah. and that happens. But if somebody hikes with bad knees, the weight is everything. And I don't I haven't through hiked the AT, PCT, or anything like that. My hikes are usually two and a half, three weeks at a time. But there's the mantra, you know, the ounces count the ounces. Every yeah. ounce adds up, and that's that's a big part of why your equipment I think is so popular and why the ultra light movement is going on. It's not that everybody's a, you know, a gram or, you know, yeah. an ounce counter, but if you're, you know, and you're not going for a speed record, every little ounce is going to count. And you're through hiking. I know this is my own experience so my excursions. You don't need all those pockets. You don't need, yeah. you're basically packing your stuff in there, pack it up smart, because with a lighter weight pack, you're, the way you pack is very important. And you're moving on to your next campsite. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I think um, in, in any genre or you know niche is you may not need the performance stuff, or you like you may not have the the justification for it that like some other people may have. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the technology that revolves around the performance end of a of a certain niche, right? And I think that's what happened. You know, that's what hiking has has become is uh companies like us like there's there's a handful of really really great ultra light companies that have been around you know since 2010 or, or earlier focusing on these weight conscious things and use, using and trying different materials and different techniques and approaches and you know layouts and things like that and really what's happened is the benefits gained from from all these like performance you know based companies you see some of the big box companies trying to like take some of the inspiration from that, right? Yeah, there's there's one manufacturer out there now. I think creeping closer and closer to being able to say, well, we have a lightweight pack now, yeah. an ultra lightweight pack. Yeah. Uh, but they, you have something they're not going to be able to say. Yeah, it's made you. Yeah. Yeah, the hands that are touching that pack are being paid with money in this country that's being spent here. Yeah, and your employees are being paid here, and they're living in Florida, and they're spending their money in this in these communities here, and and that's 
I think, the way we build things. Yeah. You know, we are the job creators, meaning that you here is in, in, in a management position with ZPACs and your employers, you're taking your money, you're spending in your communities, which is helping other businesses grow. Yeah, no, and 100%. We actually just made a video a couple months ago about that where, like, we went to local businesses where, like, uh, our employees go to, like, like a, a restaurant where our employees go for lunch and, like, a comic book shop down the street where a ton of our employees go. And it's, like, the money that, that you know, the customers pay us that goes through the company into the employees' hands are going, like you said, into these local businesses uh, and to the, those people's families as well. I mean, it does make a, a really big difference. Right. When every employee here, right, comes, some of them have families and they're taking yeah. their families out for a meal. They're buying clothing for their kids. They're buying cars. Yeah. So, yeah, it's bigger than making backpacking gear. Than, you know, there's a bigger picture here. And there's 200 plus people now. So, like, that reach in our community, that that's substantial. Man, I, I've seen some videos of the ZPACS team out on hikes. Uh, one of them was in Scotland, I believe. Yeah. There's one I had seen. But there, there were a few. When you're out on these hikes, is some of this uh, work and pleasure mixed together? Are you out there testing gear or getting some feedback from other hikers? I mean, I think we're always, even when it's not technically a work trip, we're always, we're using our gear. So it's always collecting data and like seeing performance and like, you know what happens when you put more miles on it and stuff. And then sometimes... It is like a, a trip I was telling you earlier about before we started recording in the Adirondacks that was testing, uh, for me, one of the tents we just came out with not too long ago, uh, uh, the Duplex L. It's a two-person tent for taller people, and uh, so I was testing that in the Adirondacks. That was a work trip, yeah. Right. It's, well, with the work you do, being a yeah. backpacker, and again, you've got people in a company here that are backpackers, mm-hmm. not MBAs, I'm not trying to knock anybody or minimize what people have done with their lives, but your backpackers who are manufacturing backpacking gear. Yeah, we're, we never stop scratching our own itch. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing is that we do have a, uh, quite a bit of uh, backpackers in the company, especially some seasoned backpackers with, you know, multiple through hikes. And we're always like, you know, oh, you know, I'd like it if it had this or if it didn't have this or if we can make it out of that. Like, those conversations happen, you know, weekly, for sure, if not daily. Uh, so we're always trying to get better gear for ourselves mm-hmm. in a way that we think the customers will also want. Well, as experienced backpackers, you have that knowledge going out there. So, yeah, that's going to trickle down to the first-time thru-hiker mm-hmm. who's looking at gear. You're maybe shortening up that learning curve for them a bit yeah. with I, your experience. And I hope, I hope... That um, you know, you know, I can't really measure it, but I hope the fact that it is out there, you know, on our site, if you look, that we are experienced backpackers, that that kind of gives some trust and credibility to the products, because it's not like we're making something and then using another brand's products. It's like we're make, using the stuff that we make, and we're making it based off of that experience. So I ho- I hope that. Customers can see that, and then that translates into some trust. Now, is there anything coming out, anything new you're working on that you're able to share with us at this time? Oh, man. So last year, the end of the year, we had uh, seven out of eight weeks in a row we came out with a new product there through, like, uh, the beginning of October through mid-November. And uh, 
where we are in the middle of one of those right now uh, as well. We basically have all the way to like the end of June, new products like every week or every other week. We have a lot of stuff coming out. Um, so we did, let's see, we just came out with on Thursday, um, we actually introduced a new material, Ultra. Uh, it's not made uh, with uh, Dyneema composite fabric at all, but it does use the same, like a generic version of that fiber. Dyneema is just a trade name for that fiber. Uh, and it's actually performing much better in independent testing on abrasion resistance and strength. So it's, and it weighs the same. Um, so uh, we made a new pack out of that called the Art Call Ultra that just came out on Thursday. Uh, I think that material and, our, and packs made out of that material is, is really going to take off. It's actually selling pretty well right now already. Um, so we just came out with that. We, two, like two weeks before that, we came out with a Plex Solo, which is a new one-person tent. And that, that's actually uh, really selling well uh, beyond our projections. Uh, but now what do we have coming up? I would say uh, we've got a freestanding one-person tent coming out. We already have a two- and a three-person freestanding tent. We've got a one-person one coming out. We've got some clothing items coming out. I can't get too 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 far into that. Get another tent. We have three tents on the horizon. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. I can't say too much because things change. Right. But that's all good news there's, for yeah. a company because that means growth. That's well, funny. we never stopped. We never stop thinking and innovating, like really. And a lot of things, there's there's things on that list that are silent changes that are going to be happening to existing products to make them better. Like you know that we won't promote, you know, or send out a promotional email about. But not only are we coming out with new things, we're also tweaking the existing things as well. And that that goes back to uh, the made in America thing. I didn't we didn't really get to touch on that. Everything we said was true about the money staying here, but the, there's an advantage to being made in America, and that gives you a ton of flexibility. You don't put, you're not placing a blanket order for like 5,000 widgets to a factory in China, and then like, or somewhere else, uh, and then you realize, oh man, if we, I think if we just made this little change, this product would be better. And then you gotta wait for the widgets to come in, and you gotta sell through all your widgets. It's just like, it's like no, we're gonna go through the process, we're going to make the change in a week or two when the inventory does a, does a turn. Now everybody who orders it gets a slightly improved one. Thank you. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, Every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using the permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they're likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because that's a big part. Maybe one inspired me to do this series on mm -hmm. companies that are manufacturing here in the United States. Yeah. I have a tent that needed to be repaired, and I was kind of led to believe they were a U.S. company. Yeah. They have a headquarters here. Yeah. When I did a little bit of research, I found out, 
Well, they're being manufactured somewhere in another country. They just have a headquarters here with a handful of people working in an office. Yeah. And I felt a bit a bit misled by that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. That yeah, it's all happening here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you did need a repair and you sent it in, you would send it here, and it would be fixed in the same place where it was made, and it would be sent sent out from the same place it was originally made. I just I was listening to you talking about the, the new products coming out, and I think it's our nature as backpackers sitting around the fire or sitting around the lean to at night. Yeah, what if I made this change to that tent? What if this backpack had that? So I think it's something as backpackers we're constantly thinking about. How can I improve my gear, make it a little lighter, double up on certain items? And a lot, a lot of the tweaks, um, not necessarily a new product from scratch, but a lot of the little tweaks that we do uh, implement come from customer suggestions. Like, yeah, it's like, hey, I've had this tent. This is my third tent or my third backpack. And, you know, I thought maybe like it would be really cool if it, if it did this or if this was different or like we've listened to all that feedback and we talk about it internally and we we explore options and sometimes it gets implemented sometimes it doesn't is what sometimes like what 99% of the people like is fine and it just because one person's given a suggestion doesn't mean you change it but um, yeah well, I mean a lot of it comes not only from scratching our own it's just the, the customer is helping too. Right, you're hearing this, you're getting this feedback. As people are here on site manufacturing, you're getting this yeah. feedback and you're able to sort through it. So, like you said, sometimes you might get that piece of feedback that says, you know what, let's try that out. Let's, yeah. And that's, again, you get that from smaller companies. You're not getting that from the mass produced companies, which I, I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on them. Um, I know I'm never going to get any response or anything I do because I probably haven't yeah. <laughs> already said enough about them. But, uh, and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's happening right here. This isn't something that makes its way through a chain of people, and you hope it gets into the right hands. Yeah, I'm here. You gave me this tour, and I, I see what goes on here, and it's just so impressive to me. This is this motivates me at least. And I'm hoping other people listening to this will at least take the time to look into this gear, and whether it's your gear or another manufacturer, look in, look into where it's being made, trace its origin. Where does it, where does it what are they? Where are the hands that are putting this together? Is it being made in this country? Is the money it's producing being spent here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's important to us. We've we've been that way since it was Joe by himself in an apartment, and then a couple friends in a garage, and you know, thirty friends in the in the first shop. So, and it's inspiring yeah. to hear this because yeah. I talk to manufacturers who are new into they're they're much newer than Z packs. At this mm -hmm. one of them, I think, like just within the past few months, got started, yeah. and they're the one of them is in that growth phase now, where yeah. you know, trying to keep up. And all of a sudden, they've gotten so busy, and they're yeah. going through those growing pains. They yeah. probably never go away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do get to a point, that, from my experience, where it's like you could. There's a point when you have to make a huge investment to scale it. Like basically, it's like. You can only do so much with what you have, and the only way to keep up with demand is to invest heavily into yourself, which is, um, you know, so it's terrifying, you know. Yeah, but you have to take that leap. Are we going to go from yeah. being little guys in a garage to, all right, now we're going to be players. We're going to yeah. be players in the, in the gear industry. That's why, uh, you know, we got a lot of flack for it, but we've made for, you know, the first eight years we were around, like you could send us an email and you'd be like, Hey, I want this pack, but I don't want this buckle, or I want this buckle longer. I want it like this or like that. I'd be like, okay, 
and we would just make it whatever anybody asked. We'd, okay, okay. And then what happened was it just took so much longer to like trace out a pattern, to cut out the pattern, and then like it was easy to mess up because it was not what you do every single day. So you, it was like it was a learning curve, and it just slowed the process down. And what we found out is like. 90 plus percent of the customers were totally fine with the standard product, but we couldn't get it in their hands because we were taking so long to do a lot of the custom stuff. And it's like, I think there's, that's like, that's like, a, and there's nothing wrong with, with that. You can say, okay, this is, this is, we're, we're okay doing that. We want to keep making custom stuff. This is what our capacity is going to be on that. We probably can't grow beyond it and then be okay with it. But we were just like, man, our goal is to help as many people as we can um, have a better time on trail. And we were failing at that goal because we were, our efficiency was slow because of the custom work. So, you know, that's a, that's a big learning curve thing that you got to go through and you got to ask yourself some tough questions. That leads me to the next question I have. Somebody's planning, let's say, an AP through hiker 2023. When should they be looking to place that order? What's a good lead time on that? Because I know there must be times of the year you guys are just overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, we try. The, the goal this year is to be a week or less on everything. Um, so let's see if we can keep that. I mean, the farthest lead time we'll probably have is two weeks at, at the worst, I would assume. Um, I'd say that is even about our lead time or anybody else's lead time. Well, actually, I've seen some ridiculous lead times in the, uh, in the community lately, but I think you need the gear and you really need to do a, a thorough shakedown and really use it. It's insane how many people buy stuff and literally the first day they use it is when they're, is the first day of their through hike. When you're heading up to Springer Mountain, they're pulling up. And, I'm, and I'm like, I mean, like you could have bought the best thing ever and then you just sized yourself wrong. Or, they, or the company could have made it, I'm, I'm talking generally, right? Or the company you bought it from made a mistake and say, you sent me the wrong size. And like, or, you know, you gotta know. <laughs> like, you, you should use this stuff before you go out. So, I mean, I definitely, if you're gonna do an AT through hike next year in the spring, I'd have my gear before uh, the fall hit and I would go do some test hikes in the fall when the weather's a little cold like it will be in the spring. You know, you can get snow even in the early June sometimes in the Smokies, like definitely in May. So it's you. Sh- you should go out there and test it. Yeah, I. I don't think a lot. I'm not saying this with any research, but I think there are a number of through hikers who buy their gear and just go out. They they don't take the time to do those those uh, warm up hikes, those shakedown hikes, and they'll pay for it. And yeah. sometimes, a lot of times, you're paying for it by not finishing your hike. Yeah. And I just interviewed a young man who. He didn't. He wanted to know what it was like to hike in cold weather. So he took his gear and went out and, and hiked when it was really cold. And what he found was okay. I need a liner. I need to get better gloves. I need to do okay. this. And he said that that could make the difference whether or not he finishes or not because he took the time to do that shakedown yeah. hike. No, that's super important. It's uh, I mean, especially with cold, that's dangerous. Like it's a, uh, it, you know, I'm trying to scare anybody, but like yeah, you know, like well, the weather. The weather is the scariest thing, yeah. and like. It's only usually in the winter. And you know this better than I do. You know, you could buy a sleep a twenty degree sleeping bag, but we don't all sleep the same way. Yeah. It could be a cold sleeper, warm sleeper. So maybe that twenty degree bag, one person might need a liner with it, or maybe they just even need a fifteen degree bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the hard part with sleeping bags. Is uh not everybody sleeps the same and so you've got kind of like 
this universal rating, and it doesn't matter how long or how well uh, worded your your little disclaimer is, but people don't read it, and then like, I'm cold. Well, did you do this? Did you no? Did you try this? No. Okay. Like you know, and then sometimes they need a different bag, right? But, Matt, I want to thank you for giving up your time today. I could, we just were driving through, made time to give us a tour, to talk with us. Where can we get more information about ZPACs? I mean, the good thing is ZPAC sells direct to the consumer, to the customer, to the hiker, right through our website, zpacks.com. It's pretty easy. All our social media, just look up ZPACs. Um, we're all, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, we've got, got all of it. Yeah. All right, Matt. Thanks again for coming on Papa Bear Hikes podcast. Everybody, go to their website. Check this out. I think you'll be impressed. I know I was. Matt, you have a great day. Thank you. Appreciate it. Everybody, make sure you go to PapaBearHikes.com. Check out our website. Listen to past episodes. Go to our social media and our new YouTube YouTube channel. Barn Outside. Hey, everybody, get outside, have some fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.